There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher. Joining me, as always, is Centauri Minor. Hello, folks. Helping us move from awareness to action this week is Courtney Sullivan, the executive director of the Arizona Center for After School Excellence. Welcome, Courtney. Thank you so much for having me. We're excited to talk about the work that you guys are doing and AZ Case, as your organization is known. At least that's that's what I was able to glean from the website. Dedicated <laughs> <very> to <laughs> dedicated to improving public awareness and support for learning and personal development during out of school hours which I imagine is a, a big part of kids' time. So that's 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 a big job. It is a big job. It's, it's funny, most people don't realize that 80% of a child's time, once they reach school age, is spent outside of a classroom. So we think about kids spending all day in school, but when you look at both after school, before school, and summer hours, they actually only spend 20% of their school year in a classroom. So what we do is uh, we think pretty critical to youth development. Yeah, and it's a matter of marshalling the resources and letting people know everything that's available because it does, it seems like there are a lot of programs and a lot of organizations working to help make that 80% as robust and as worthwhile and educational as possible. Yes, there are about as many different models of out-of-school time programs as there are youth in the state. So, really? Uh, yes. <laughs> maybe oh that's goodness. a slight exact. Maybe a slight exaggeration. <laughs> okay. But we uh, <laughs> we do we work with programs um, that uh, run the gamut from very large community centers with multi-age groups to very small um, five kids in a church basement. So it can, it can run the gamut and, uh, all of them are critical to, to supporting the youth of Arizona. Nice. Well, I know that Centauri and I are excited to, to really dig into it and, uh, and, and, and learn about the impact and the work that you're having. How did you find your way to the organization? Take us through your career path. Uh, well, um, my family has always been, focused on education. Um, my Both my parents were in education, uh, but they both started out as teachers. And then eventually my mom did stay at home to to raise the kids. And But my dad continued on in education. And I have an aunt who's in education. My sister is in education. So education has always been really important to us. Um, and when I started out in my career, um, I was in marketing. And it was fine, and I liked marketing, um, but I didn't feel like I was connecting with the community the way I really wanted to. Um, and so then I ended up with an educational organization and realized that I could combine marketing with education and youth services and um, did that and worked for a number of years with the university and then worked for a school foundation um, here in Arizona and then made my way um, to the after school and out of school time arena, primarily because the school day discussion in Arizona is so contentious. Um, I felt that personally, I could not make as much of an impact with the, the political situation surrounding K-12 education, 
but I still wanted to to impact youth and to support their educational and personal development. So I found that after school is a good place to do that. Oh, that's awesome. And I think that that's a, it's an interesting way to put it. I've never heard it said that way, that the school day conversation is, uh, is, is contentious and it certainly <laughs> is. And I mean, I, I think that, I think that everybody can probably agree that, that we want what's best for kids. How we do that in in a classroom setting is is a whole other animal, I, I I suppose. So there's no need for us to try to wade into that conversation. Um, so I think you probably made the right decision. Um, Courtney, I'm, I'm I'm curious, and and we've had a lot of conversations about this. Why outside of the 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 stats about how much time is spent out of the classroom, I'm curious to know. Why do you feel like that piece is the most impactful outside of just time? Like, what do kids learn from activities learned outside of the classroom or in extracurriculars or whatever that might be? So kind of well, give us like some tangible things. Yes. Yes. So I'm not I don't want to step on any listeners toes as to what they feel is is the best way to run a school classroom. That's not why I'm here. Just go for it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Scorched huge- earth. I'm a huge supporter of education, obviously, and, and of our teaching workforce. But um, we have found and research has found that um, classroom time, because it is so little in the grand scheme of things and is unfortunately now so driven by the standardized tests that, you know, sometimes drive school funding, sometimes drive teacher pay, depending on where you live and the current state of the legislature and, and what's going on in that arena that kids are not given the freedom or don't have the ability and it's because the teachers don't have the time to allow them to do that to to explore and to dive deep on something that really interests them um, and to really connect with the curriculum on a personal level because there's you know you have to get through this content has to be finished this week in this classroom and a lot of times we see kids have an inkling that that might be interesting and they'd like to learn more and there's just no time to do it. The after school arena gives them the space to really do that deep dive, to really explore, to really examine what they like and what they don't like and to fail without any negative impact. If you think that you really love science and you really love biology and you're given the opportunity in after school to explore that and you realize you hate it and you're not very good at it and you don't want to pursue it, it doesn't matter. There's no grade associated with it. There's no test at the end of the day. You can just be a kid and really get into it and see what you like and see what you don't. Um, And we think that that makes for more successful adults as they get older. Yeah, I certainly appreciate that. Nice. So we were joking a little bit right at the start talking about how many different programs exist. And it's it's it sounds like it's it's maybe one per child, which is obviously <laughs> a joke. But I have to imagine that there are so many people that have a passion for youth development that there probably is literally a program for everything you could possibly imagine. Pretty much the the variety of programming is very large. You you have, like I said, you have things that are very broad-based um, that do a, a multitude of different activities at any given point in time. And then you have some programs that are really specific that are just for computer programming or just for um, 
sports of some sort, um, just for academic help, you know, some kids who need that additional academic support. So there are certainly a wide variety of options. Um, the dilemma is not the variety. The dilemma that we struggle with in our organization is access. Because though there are a lot of them, not every kid has access to them. And is that simply because of geography? Some of it is geography. We are a very rural state, despite the fact that we have a large metropolitan city in Phoenix. Um, so a lot of our rural communities don't have access to the same things as our metropolitan kids do. But there is still a definite divide um, in socioeconomic um, backgrounds. And we are a lot of the um, are a lot of the after school programs uh, pay for play or does it just depend? It depends. Um, it depends. We like many things, you know, Phoenix does have a, a very strong um, nonprofit and community based um, group of folks who really do want our youth to succeed. And we do see nonprofits springing up to help kids, um, you know, disadvantaged youth reach STEM careers through after-school programming, for example. Um, but when you have one program doing that, um, and it can only take 20 to 30 kids, that's still a lot of kids that aren't being being served because of the lack of resources. Um, and in some cases, there's there is also a transportation issue, even for some of the free or low fee programs, if there's not transportation after the program is over, a lot of these folks are coming from single parent households or dual working households, and the parents just can't come pick them up. Um, and the buses are done for the day if it's not, you know, if, they're, if the school day is out and they're at a community center and the program might be free, that's great. But if the parent doesn't get off until seven and the program is over at six, that, that kid can't go to that program because there's no way for them to get home afterwards. So the the financial and the the transportation pieces are the two biggest barriers that we see for access. Got it. And that's really, I, I think that, that 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 makes sense. A lot of these programs, you, you referenced that these nonprofits are springing up to to meet some of these needs, but unfortunately that that, that, that could be limited. How are these, how, how are the majority of these other programs funded? The majority of them are some combination of um, parent pay and subsidy. There is, um, if you are a licensed provider, there are dollars available, um, subsidy dollars available to help offset the cost of um, space for those kids whose parents can't um, afford to bring them to the program. But you do have to, to be licensed in order to have access to those subsidy dollars. Um, so those, you know, that's, that's just a small percentage. And then some of the other ones, they do get some grant dollars. There are some wonderful community partners, both in the state and nationally, who try to help provide funding, particularly for some of these specialty, um, groups like girls in STEM. There are a number of nonprofits that are national nonprofits that have programs here in Arizona that specifically target girls in STEM and they are funded through national partnerships. And so the, the cost to the, to the parents is virtually zero, if not zero. Got it. Okay. So a lot of these, well, the 
perhaps the main problem that, that I'm hearing is that these socioeconomic disparities exist that does not allow some certain groups that, that come from less families with, with less money access to a lot of these programs. So they're, they're left without them. Correct. Now, how, how, how do we go about fixing that? <laughs> <laughs> That's the million dollar take, question. Take That's out your magic wand. <laughs> well, there obviously, um, what we would really like to see as an organization is funding for after school. Um, it's interesting because every state, as you know, is, is different in its um, priority setting. And for example, our neighbors in California, maybe they're a poor example and some people may wrinkle their nose at this, but um, California funds out of school time programming out of the state budget. They have a very large budget for after school programming to specifically address those access and equity issues in California. Um, there are other states whose state legislature has decided that this is a priority for them and they provide funding to address these issues. Arizona is not one of those states. We um, have zero um, dollars to address those issues in out-of-school time. And in fact, outside of the federal subsidy dollars that is that are administered by the state, there is actually no money in the state of Arizona dedicated to out-of-school time activities with the exception of early child care. And child care is very specifically different from us. They There's some crossover, obviously, because we both deal with kids, but they deal with birth to age five. And we're talking about school age kids from five to 18. So there are, uh, there are no funding streams from the state of Arizona to address right. these issues. So that would be our, that'd be a first place to start. Is uh, part of the work of AZ Case then any advocacy work, or um, how does it look like having conversations with the key stakeholders about if we want to create movement, if we want to create impact, and the dollars are going to have to come from the state legislator or legislature, or is that just not part of the work that you do? Yeah, well, no, advocacy advocacy work is part of the work that we do. Um, the conversations that we've been that we've had since um, I have been in this position um, have been, I'll say, a little frustrating. Um, I'm sure every nonprofit and every advocacy group says that when they're talking about their advocacy work. There are obviously a number of folks at our state legislature who have a passion for youth-related issues and do want to do good things for youth. The dilemma becomes that, as I referenced at the beginning about our contentious K-12 discussions, that so much of the funding argument right now is so focused on that classroom time period, that eight to three time period, that a lot of our folks uh, that would be advocates just based on their, their personal priorities and their passions don't have the time or energy to, to dedicate or to think about even out of school time because they're, they've been so enmeshed in this conversation about the, the school day. And I appreciate that. I appreciate we have a, a funding funding issues around teacher pay and classroom size and all of those things. So I don't want to um, complain about that because those youth are, are important because they're the same youth that we serve. So sure. 
So we want that to be fixed too, but unfortunately it's a very noisy fight and has been particularly the last couple of years since I have been in this position. So it's hard for us to to feel like we're getting a, a lot of traction in that area. So we are sort of, uh, I'll say going around trying to find other avenues to, to connect with the work that's being done at the Capitol. So issues regarding um, opportunity youth. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with opportunity youth, but they're the, the teens and young adults who are neither enrolled in high school nor currently employed. And obviously that's not, um, that's not a great place for those kids to be, those young people to be. Um, so we've, you know, we've worked with some of the folks in that space and getting kids engaged and keeping them engaged in out of school time activities, even as middle schoolers and high schoolers, um, they tend to stay in school longer. They tend to actually attend school, um, with at greater rates and, um, tend not to fall into that opportunity use bucket. Um, so we try to engage to, to prevent that same with the juvenile justice, um, research shows that kids who are involved in after school and summer programs tend to get into less trouble. And so we're, we're working on issues with those, with folks who are dealing with those kinds of youth issues. Um, and there are, there are some potential funding opportunities perhaps down the line, um, regarding those two particular groups that hopefully we can, we can see be put into, to out of school time and, and after school. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Got it. In terms of the percentage of Arizona's budget, which is dedicated to education, and then obviously the amount that that our state dedicates to out of school education or um, doing the 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 work that you're focused on is zero. Um, do you have a sense of states that do fund these these programs? What what percent of the budget is dedicated to it? Is it similar to ours? Are they just finding money because they find it to be a priority? Yeah, I mean, I don't. It's that's it's hard to say because every state is is very different and their funding models are very right. different. So that's that's hard for me to 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 have a blanket statement of how other states do it. And in some states, it is very creatively funded. Um, there are some a couple of states who have uh, legalized marijuana either for medicinal or recreational use and tax money that's being raised is going specifically to out of school time to help offset um, what some folks see as you know potential addiction issues down the road because once again research shows that kids who are engaged in after school tend not to be engaged in risky behavior right. so so they they know they're they're funding it through state tax dollars, but it's specifically from um, from marijuana sales, and then some like California, it is it is just a priority. They just see the importance of it, uh, and so they have their K twelve public education funding, and then they have a separate um, bucket that is specifically for out of school time programs. Got it. Okay. Is there a group? In, in a certain age group that that you really focus on because perhaps you view them to be the most at risk or or maybe have the greatest need well uh, that's that's interesting uh, an interesting question because we've been talking about that internally quite a bit kids who are five to we'll say 12 because that's the typical kindergarten through sixth grade 
Um, there tend to be more programs dedicated for that age group than any other. Um, that's partially because that age group is too young to take care of themselves. So even parents who might have some financial stress um, can't leave those children alone. That That's just not an option. Um, So there are more programs that serve that age group and there are more school districts that dedicate resources to like their space and allowing space or even running programs themselves for that age group. What we see is a significant drop off in participation once they hit middle school. Um, And for two reasons that we have been able to, to ascertain. One is because we haven't done a good job as an industry of providing interesting activities for middle school youth. They have different needs than um, the younger kids, but they're not quite to the to the skill level or the independence level of some of the high school programs. So that's something that we as an industry are looking at is how do we how do we improve our middle school offerings to keep them engaged? But the second piece is for those folks who are struggling financially, there's something magic about that middle school year when they turn 13 that parents say, now the child can stay at home by themselves. They can take the bus home. They can walk home from their school. And we used to call them latchkey kids when I was young. That dates me a little bit. but uh, Sure. <laughs> Same for me. But, <laughs> but, you know, they can, they'll be fine. You know, the television is there. There's snacks. They can, you know, they can do their homework. It, it will be fine. Um and for some kids, that is true. There, are, um, I don't want a blanket statement every middle schooler. For some kids, I'm sure that model is a successful model. But middle school is the age where kids do tend to start to um, push boundaries even more, and they do tend to fall into that risky behavior. And leaving kids unsupervised between the hours of three and six, starting at age 13, is probably, as a, as a society, one of our worst decisions. Um, because that's when they do tend to experiment with drugs, alcohol, risky sexual behavior, um, gang activity tends to increase, um, during, you know, starting at that age group, especially when they are not engaged in other activities. And, uh, it is something that any law enforcement community would tell you that we don't want to leave them alone in middle school, (laughs) but yet that seems to be the, the trend. So that's something that we as an organization are, are going to shift our focus to that we need to really start working to engage those kids and, and find programs for those kids. Courtney, I want to offer, especially for our listeners, for those who are not like um, that are not deeply involved in the education sector, can you re- reiterate the point that there's so much research on the importance of keeping kids engaged in those hours between three to six? So you talked uh, very briefly about it, but kind of talk about the research that we see nationwide on that is the key time to make sure that kids are engaged in doing good things. Yes, yes. National research um, has been done over the course of many years now that shows that the hours between three and six, and when we use that term three at three to six and maybe 315, depending on what time your school gets out, but um, that three to six, more kids get into trouble during that time period than any other time period during the year. So not during summer breaks even, not during the day, not while they're in school. Three to six is when kids, particularly as they hit that middle school years and older, tend to engage in risky behavior um, more during that time period. And studies have shown that if we have 
accessible after-school programming for those kids, programs that are engaging, that keep them um, out of their home by themselves and off the streets, that the risky behavior goes down, the juvenile arrests go down, the school attendance goes up, and school suspensions go down, um, and all from after-school programming. And it probably doesn't need it, the, the there's there's no silver bullet. It's just probably first and foremost there needs to be something available and something that's something that's that's accessible that these kids can go and yes. do. And then once we have that done, then it's a matter of fine tuning it and making it so it's awesome that all these kids want to go to it. Right, right. It yes. The first step is to have a space available and to make them feel like they are welcome and wanted in that space. And then from there, we can start building on quality programming and and finding things that are really meaningful and engaging and et cetera. But first we need to tell them that it's here and it's available and they have access to it. And the most common spaces, is that the actual school itself a lot of the time, or what are some other examples? Well, school is obviously an, sort of the most, the the easiest choice because they're already there. So they tend not to wander off, but there are a lot of community centers. um, This most cities, the city of Phoenix, Tempe, um, Tucson, all of the the city programs, Flagstaff, they all have city-based programs that the city actually helps run and fund. Um, Sometimes they're at the schools, sometimes they're at community centers, sometimes they're at gyms. there are obviously Boys and Girls Club is a national organization that many people know, know of, and they have um, facilities that are open through for all age groups, um, all the way up through high school. So, um, you know, it could be any could be anything. There are um, churches and faith related organizations that have programming that, even though it's housed at the church, is non denominational. It's not necessarily a faith based program, and but their doors are open. Um, to youth as well. So there just aren't enough of them, particularly for older kids. And um, like I said, and sometimes they've been around long enough that they don't have a good rep anymore, I'll say. That's, uh, you know, that the kids are like, oh, I don't really want to go there because fill in the blank X, Y, Z. That's where we need to delve in and and figure out, you know, where do we need the centers and what do we do to get them to, um, to stay once we get them in the door. So Courtney, very quickly, I'd love for you to just touch on if the if AZ case does any work on, uh, and you kind of hinted towards it, on quality of after-school programs. So is it, uh, do you have like a rating system or is that the work that you do? So if I'm a parent, I could say, all right, my son is nine years old. These are the quality things within my um, income bracket that I, or income range that I could deal with. Or is it just kind of a free, free-for-all and you just <laughs> guide them towards resources? Never a free-for-all, but... <laughs> No, we actually, quality is the foundation of all the work that we do when we work directly with programs. Um, We do have the Arizona Quality Standards for out-of-school time programs, and um, it was developed in 2013 by a community group, a coalition of both policymakers, program folks, community members, um, and they developed um, some key principles for what a quality out-of-school time program would look like. And there's actually seven key principles, and then each principle has some um, different practices. 
and it's everything really basic like health and safety you know so we don't the kids don't injure themselves and they're being taken their physical well-being is taken care of all the way to um you know at the highest level program management and how you're managing your program and evaluating it and continually improving it so it it runs the whole the whole gamut and when we work with programs um we base all of our discussions with them and all of our training with them on those quality standards and we do have a checklist for parents and it is on our website at azcase.org where you can look to see as a parent these are the things that you should be looking for when you are deciding what kind of program to enroll your child in um just to help you know we want to keep kids safe that's the number one the number one thing and most programs do that without uh without too many issues um so but beyond that you know what are we doing to to make sure that the kids are getting the most out of that time that they're in the program got it so for people who are listening and they're interested in in having an impact in in trying to help to solve this problem how how can they get involved well there i i guess it's that's an interesting question we always of course could use the financial support sure. um, that I mean that's it's like any nonprofit we would love to to have more community partners engage with us in that in that work if you really feel passionate and you like to advocate we would love to to have you reach out to us and um, we can do some advocacy training some talking point training and let you um, or ask you and invite you to go out and talk to our state representatives and our, our legislators and the governor and and even the city councilmen and councilwomen throughout the state to talk about what we're doing and the importance of it. And we would love to have those folks out on the ground, especially if they're parents, to say, hey, this is important to us. You know, we we work. We need a good place for our kids to be when we're still at work and the school day is done and we know the importance and we want it to be to be funded and accessible. So we would love to have those voices as part of our work. Okay, excellent. What else would you like to share? Or what 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 else do people really need to know? Well, I think my my biggest, I guess, frustration I will share with, with your listeners is that as a community, as a state, um, we've done a pretty good job at supporting our kids zero to five. We have a really strong early childhood um, community here in Arizona, and that's fabulous. And then we're working, I think, trying really hard to address the school day issues and, and funding. So my question to folks and my frustration is that sometimes we seem to forget that these are the same kids. The kids that we loved from when they were zero to five, um, when they turn five and a half or when they start kindergarten, just because they started kindergarten doesn't need that doesn't mean that we don't need to support them anymore. Um, same thing with school day. It's really important for us as a community and the conversation is is really hot about needing to make sure that those kids have all their needs addressed from eight to three. Well, at 301, that kid still has needs and it's still the same kid and the kid that we loved when they were five and the kid that we love from eight to three should be this is the same kid that we should love from three to six. Got it. I certainly appreciate that. Centauri, what else? 
Nothing, Courtney. I think I'm just thankful that you could come on and share uh, the work that you do. I know that after-school programming is so immensely um, crucial to development of our kiddos. So thank you for the work that you do. Oh, well, thank you so much for letting me talk about what I feel strongly about. And, you know, I love the youth of Arizona and they're, they are definitely our, our future. And so we need to support them as best we can. That's the truth. What is the website again? It is AZ case. So AZCASE.org. AZCASE.org. Oh, Go ahead. Actually, oh, it's AZAfterschool.org. You'd, otherwise, you're not going to get very far. That's my other. <laughs> azafterschool.org so a-z-a-f-t-e-r-s-c-h-o-o-l.org perfect i'm so sorry oh no no not at all (laughs) none of this is a game of perfect courtney (laughs) (laughs) Uh, like like uh centauri i'm definitely grateful for your work and i know that everybody else is as well so so thank you and thanks as always for listening do check out azafterschool.org and all the important work that they're doing um, get involved however you can and as always keep questioning because the struggle is real before I go quick announcement I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step by step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show.